is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! This, this is Radiohead. Broadcasting live on DallasCowboys.com and the official Dallas Cowboys app. Now your hosts, Tyler Klutz, Christy Scales, and Brad Sham. I'm Cowboy Sideline reporter Christy Scales here with Tyler Klutz. We wish a happy new year to Brad Sham, who uh, he'll be back at work uh, after sundown tonight and helping with uh, the Cowboys hour. But happy new year, Brad. And I think, Tyler, that we need to rename today's show instead of Radioheads. Whenever the Cowboys come out on the losing end, you know, we've got an autopsy we have to mm-hmm. do. And so maybe we should call this CSI New Orleans after I what like happened. That, actually. <laughs> but what was your biggest takeaway from the 12 10 loss last so, night? So I think the biggest takeaway is don't panic. Uh, I think after a loss, you know, everyone just is, is so quick to say, oh, the season's going down the drain. Uh, Kellen Moore is an awful. Uh, offense coordinator that can't throw the ball or offensive line's no good. You, I mean, everybody, all the things under the moon people are saying now because we lost a game to a really good team. Uh, and But I would say this, my biggest disappointment would probably be with the offensive line and protection, um, uncharacteristic of those guys. Uh, I think that we had more trouble with, with the games that they were running on their defensive line up front. Um, things that you would see Zach Martin pick up 100 out of 100 times, there was a couple that he'd missed. Um, and and again, we don't know all of the ins and outs and what calls were made and, and who was supposed to do what. Uh, but as a spectator um, and kind of understanding that blocking scheme that they do, there were some things that I, was just uncharacteristic of that unit. Well, that's what makes football so great. It's the ultimate team sport. But one, I mean, all it takes is just one misstep or one little yeah. bit of a breakdown for the mm-hmm. whole play to collapse. But uh, funny, some of the things you mentioned about Kellen Moore and about yeah. Dak and the run yeah. game, uh, we already have some uh, questions that we're going to address. But we yeah. invite everyone to call in or you can tweet uh Tweet us your questions. The phone number is 888-855-2297. That's 888-855-2297. And uh, producer Caden Gates is going to help us field those calls. And again, we'll be monitoring Twitter. But let's see. uh, We have a question. You talked about offensive line. And a question sent in. This is Carrie from Columbus, Ohio. Mm -hmm. Are we sunk without Tyron Smith? How bad is his ankle injury? How long will he be out? Um... First of all, Carrie, the good news, sort of good news, it is the early reports, it's a high ankle sprain. Yeah, that's good. But there are degrees of high ankle sprains, and so hopefully this is one that is not several weeks. It may be shorter than that. But, Tyler, are we sunk without Tyron Smith or Cam Fleming a luxury to have in there? So losing Tyron, that that hurts. I mean, you can't replace an all-pro tackle like that. So so to say that we're going to continue on and we're going to skip without skipping a beat, I think that's being a little naive. Now, uh, what I did like is, although it took Cameron a little bit to adjust when he came in, that he got Dak hit from the backside, you know, pretty solid on one of the plays. But it's really hard to go from zero to a hundred like that. And so um, you've got to always be ready to go in the game. You've always got to be ready to execute. But he did a very good job for being thrown in at that point in the game. Um, now 
because We've, because this was the final drive yes, and backed yes. up near your own end zone and having to go probably about 50, 60 yards to get that's in field right. goal range. That's exactly and, right. And they're teeing off on you, the defense. Teeing off event. and in an atmosphere that we'll talk about later. There's another question that was brought up about this, but the atmosphere there is was crazy. Absolutely. And you were there, right? And and the Superdome is, is a venue that is really hard to play in as a visitor, especially when it's a two-minute drive to go down and win the game. Yeah. And so I think that he did a good job. You know, we've lost him in the past. Um, you know, we, we've had, um, the Atlanta game that we were notoriously, oh my goodness. Yeah. That's uh, etched in our memory. Uh, mm-hmm. uh but I, I think, you know, Mark Colombo is going to do a great job getting those guys ready, no matter what. Um, you know, Cameron Fleming on the left side is a very, very capable backup tackle and he's going to come in and he's going to play hard. I mean, we've got to do some things. I think Kellen is, is, um, Flexible enough in his play calling that he can do some things to to help him. Unlike what happened in the situation when Tyron was out against Atlanta, you know there was no back help from uh, you know from Zeke to Chip or tight ends left in to to help you know on those speed rushes. And so Kellen is going. I know and I have faith that he's going to do a good job calling calls that are going to help Cameron be as successful as possible. Um, but again, he's got a big responsibility and big shoes, literally. To fill in yes. um, at that left side and, and to protect Dak and to give him time because I think we saw last night that, that was more pressure than he's been used to seeing all year, and and it made it had an effect. It did, and the thing about Fleming, Cam Fleming, it starter for the Patriots now, mm-hmm. albeit at right tackle, not mm-hmm. left tackle, but um, starter in the Super Bowl, and mm-hmm. so a lot of playing experience. But here's the thing, Tyler: it's the domino effect of these injuries. And there's another one I want to talk about in a bit with Kayvon Frazier. And you say, Kayvon Frazier, backup safety. Mm-hmm. What does that have to do with anything? Well, it has a big thing to yeah. do with special teams and That's special right. teams coverage. But I, you know, I think what's it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen if Tyron, even if he only misses a couple or a few games, if that, we don't know yet. We're going to get an update later today from Coach Garrett, and then the media will be in the locker room, and maybe we'll find out more uh, by the evening. But um, Cameron Fleming is the only tackle that has been available on game day as the backup. Mm-hmm. The pers- the only other backup tackle who's been inactive the first four games is an undrafted rookie free agent from Indiana named Brandon Knight. Now, Brandon played tackle in college, but about halfway through training camp, they thought, oh, you know, let's give him some position flex. We think he can be a good guard. So he was actually moved to guard uh, in training camp and played most of his snaps in the preseason games at guard. So now your swing tackle going into next week against Green Bay, Mm -hmm. who has a good defense, at least the first few games, um, is a guy who's an undrafted rookie free agent who's been getting most of his practice reps at guard. And then the only other offensive tackle is on the practice squad, Mitch Hyatt, who is a team captain for the national champions at Clemson, but he was getting pushed around in uh, preseason. And I don't think you want to make a roster move to pull no. to, to move him up to the 53 man because then you'd have to make a corresponding mm-hmm. move. But uh, hey, let's see, you had a, yeah. you, you mentioned there was a question about the yes. Superdome? Yes, or? yeah, let's go to that. So uh, so Nikki in Garland, uh, Texas, says, how does the crowd noise in the Superdome compared to other indoor stadiums? How big of a home field advantage do the Saints really have? So uh, this was my third game in the NFL. I was playing for the Chicago Bears at the time. And uh, and obviously had watched a lot of, a lot of football and watched games at the Superdome, but... Um, 
I was ne- I was not prepared. Everyone said it's loud here, it's electric, um, it's dark. It's really a it's a it's an eerie feeling inside the Superdome because it, there's yeah. no natural light. It, it's cavernous. Yes, and and even the seats are like darker colors yeah. and stuff. So mm-hmm. all that is muted, and then there, like you say, no natural light. It is it's kind of creepy actually. And it, it really is because the lights are so focused on the field, and then it's almost like stage lights where you don't mm-hmm. see the audience, and so but. It is it is probably the, one of the loudest NFL venues overall that I've played in, um, and multiple times too. We played there in 2015. I played there in 13 with the Dolphins. Um, every time we play there, it's electric, and you know they get wild in New Orleans, and and they have a great time. Um, so I would I. I'm not big on home field advantage. I'm not big on building in excuses, but it is it is a challenge. And if you were out here at practice at all this week, they were pumping in the crowd noise like crazy. From your office, you could probably yeah, hear it all the way across the star. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but, but that's necessary. And I think from an operational standpoint, we did well. Uh, you know, Dak managed the the two minute drill as well as possible. We didn't. We weren't effective uh, as as like what we would like to be. But you know. It, they did a good job in preparing for it, but that noise is real. So, Nikki, it is it is a very real thing there in the Superdome. Um, I mean, they're not bad fans. They're I mean, they're not like Eagles fans. So they're they're at least friendly. They're having a good hey, time. Hey, they whenever they send us send the Cowboys to New Orleans to play the Saints, inevitably it's a primetime matchup, yeah. which means that those fans are well lubricated yes. by the time seven twenty yes. kickoff rolls around. Those Not that grenades, they need any those help. Those hand grenades start at noon there. So <laughs> did you see, did you see the social media of Jerry Jones? basically leading a parade down Bourbon Street on Saturday night. I did not. Well, it was Jerry Jr.'s birthday weekend. Yes, I heard in that. In New Orleans. So the Jones boys in New Orleans were a birthday weekend. But um, actually, so they had left the restaurant and they were headed over to Paddo's. Mm-hmm. And there were so many Cowboy fans. I was at Paddo's. Our radio crew was there a little earlier yeah. in the evening, not yeah. quite so late. But there were so many Cowboys fans mm-hmm. in the French Quarter. And... All of them happened to be out there at exactly the time that Jerry came out and was walking. And I mean, he was like the Pied Piper going down uh, Bourbon Street. But mm. it was it was actually very cool. And there were a lot of Cowboys fans in the stands uh, last night. It's just that they didn't really have much to cheer for. So that wasn't as as uh, yeah. And it was as you would think. You know, I think going into the week, we were we were anticipating it being a slugfest. It, we we thought it was going to be a high scoring slugfest just with the two offenses and how it's been. You know, the, the previous weeks, obviously with Bridgewater and his tendency to just to kind of dink and dunk and a lot of short passes. Um, but I think we had high hopes that the momentum of this offense would continue, and it wasn't the case. So I think as fans. Fans, we were deflated, you know, from the very beginning, right? And it was it was just kind of a slow game, a lot of field goals, a lot of red zone attempts that we didn't convert, um, and so it was it was hard, but it was not what we thought it would look like, but it was what we anticipated, and it being a really tough game. Well, let's break it down a little more, and like you said at the beginning, uh, what they were doing with the mm-hmm. Saints front mm-hmm. and running a lot of gains and things, stunts yeah. and things like that. Were they doing that on the runs, and is that one reason why it was so difficult to establish the run, yeah. or was that mainly in the past? past yeah, so, so they did a great job of giving a lot of different looks. They loaded the box up. Um, and I, everyone does that against us because they know that 
Jason Garrett is going to say, I don't care how many people you put in the box, we're going to impose our will, we're going to run the ball, which as a fullback, I love that. But what they did is they gave a lot of different looks, and they they did a, they had a lot of pinching, and they would bring the safeties down to fill yeah, those runs. See those it right runs. there on that play as Zeke's trying to get around the right side, just impossible to do it. And so even when 11 personnel, which 11 personnel is one tight end, one running back, and gun, they would still even bring five to six guys up onto the yeah. line to Look disguise who's going who's going where, who's doing what. Mm-hmm. Five guys uh, around him on that play exactly, previously. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so even if they're only rushing three, they're still giving the illusion that, okay, hey, you've got to account for all six of us, which gets Zeke out of the backfield later because he's got to make sure, okay, hey, my, my responsibility is generally the mic or the will. Um, I've got to make sure he doesn't rush before I take off and get into my route. So it slows him out. So, you know, that outlet, you see Zeke right there, stay in. Uh, Stayed in, but the guys came from the left side and, right. and forced a, the errant pass there. So so they gave a lot of different looks. They ran a lot of twist games. So where the defensive tackle, the defensive end, they're looping around. Um, they, they were doing a lot of different things. Like I said, bringing linebackers up, pulling them out, bringing some. It was just a lot going on. And the Saints are notorious for that back when, when Rob Ryan was there. Um, they did a lot of that crazy stuff. Um, and so they did a good job confusing us up front and and really keeping Zeke as much out of the pass game as they could. Well, speaking of the pass game, uh, Amari Cooper, mm-hmm. the two offensive pass interference penalties. But I'll tell you where my disappointment was in this game, just talking with some mm-hmm. staffers on the bench, mm-hmm. literally 45 minutes before kickoff. Uh, they were th- They had identified Eli Apple – the mm-hmm. cornerback that plays opposite uh, Lattimore yep. as the one to go after, yeah. as a lot of offenses in the NFL yeah. do. So they knew that Lattimore was going to follow Cooper wherever he mm-hmm. went, and that's what happened. They were st- they still rolled some help uh, yeah. to help Lattimore with Cooper. But this is a thing. Boy, too bad Michael Gallup was injured. Uh, but yeah. I-, I thought that Devin Smith might be in for a big night mm-hmm. uh, because if he's getting one-on-one with Eli Apple, yeah. then go for that. But he was targeted once, mm-hmm. zero receptions. He did draw a defensive holding penalty yeah. that resulted in a first down on a on a third down pass attempt. So, I, you know, I don't know if it's that Devin wasn't winning some of his one-on-one or if, again, I think it was more the pass pressure and yeah. Dak just not having time to throw. Yeah, and I think that I think that's a combination of all of that. I think that Dak didn't have time to get back to him. Um, you know, you've got to be really careful, and and you know, Devin's a good receiver, but you've got to be very careful um, directing your quarterback to say, okay, hey, we're going to him right now. It's a one on one. We're hitting it regardless, right? Because that's a lot of trust, right? The, that's what the Dezes, the Amaris, like. Okay, I'm I'm going to hit you. I know you're going to win, and I'm going to have trust. So my eyes are going to go to you right away. With a young guy like that. It's, it's hard to say that because now your only other option is to check it down to your back, which we just talked about, which mm-hmm. was staying in protection a lot of the night. Um, so I agree with you. It's just it's hard to it's hard to do that. It's hard to take your progression from from Amari to Wit to Zeke and then back to Devin. Yeah. And so it's you know, it, it's a lot to ask when you're getting pressured. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the last couple of weeks, you probably could have done that. Um, but you know, I, I think Amari. I don't think he was 100. percent To be you honest know, with you, he didn't. You know, he had the uh, MRI on his ankle. I yeah. believe that was last Wednesday. Yeah. And yeah, you know, it's kind of hard to tell from field level sometimes. Yeah. But I don't know if maybe the 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 
cuts, you know, he when was, he's breaking on his route, was it a sharp, the it, route running? Yeah, so, so just watching on TV, it, it was not. And and the reason I say that is is you can tell when you start to use your hands, that's when you don't trust your feet as much. You and mean so, hands in terms hands of pushing are, off? Yeah, and, you know, the calls were suspect. It, it really wasn't. I mean, it was like a shoulder one time. It was an elbow another time. And it, it could be just oh, that's the body motion you make when you cut. So it was, it was suspect there. But you could tell he was using his hands more than he normally does. Usually he doesn't. I mean, guys don't even get their hands on him. Doesn't have to. And he's he's yeah. so quick. So I would say he was he was a half step slower than I think we're used to seeing him as. So that that did not help. And then Marcus Lattimore, he's been like the worst corner in the league over the year. So why would we not attack that? And you know, of course, he escalates his play sure. and, and has a great sure. game and uh, really keeps Amari really quiet. So it's. You know, it's a it's a tough deal when you've got all that in, in the case, and then we put the ball on the ground twice. That's, I mean, yes. that's a tough deal. Yeah, and when when Jason Witten, who hasn't yeah. fumbled since 2010, loses a fumble, guy I came from behind, and I, uh, I appreciated what he said after the game in the post game locker room. It's like you don't have to watch out for the guys who are coming at you. It's the mm-hmm. and here's the play right, right here. You can see the yep. linebacker comes from behind and strips it away. It's recovered by a Von mm-hmm. Bell. He says it's, it's the ones you don't see that you have to to worry about. But it's yeah. like we got some hoodoo voodoo going on in the Crescent City yeah. when Jason Witten and then Zeke. Uh, he's had over fourteen hundred touches in his career. That would be combined. I'm sorry, it's more than that. It's like. Uh, have it written down, but all of the touches in his career, he has only 13 fumbles. Not yeah. all of those mean loss fumbles, right. but he's one of the most reliable yeah. runners yeah. and pass catchers in the league when it comes to that. But, uh, you know, I, I'll tell you that the Cowboys were sure that they were going to get the ball back, yeah. that it was going to be overturned because the offense I, had gone back on the field. It was, I mean, I was watching it. I was like, okay, cool. And I stopped paying attention to it. And then they had the ball. I was like, wait, wait, hold on. What happened? And then they were explaining it on the TV copy. But for them to say the ball is moving out, like the ball was not loose. His arm was moving. The ball was not loose. So it, it to me, it blows my mind. They just... You know, when New York calls in and they're analyzing this and they're analyzing that, I, I just don't see how they made that call. And and listen, I'm the I'm the fir- the last person that wants to argue about a bad call and say, oh, they screwed us or they did this, or they did that. But that was just that was a bad call. Yeah. The arm was moving, the ball was as tight as could be, and you saw his hand actually like shake when the ball actually came yeah. loose. Like it was very very clear. Well, the the video the replay that uh, Caden, thank you for showing those, Caden. It, you can see it was from the angle that was from the north end mm-hmm. zone. Uh, honestly, from the sideline, when Zeke disappears into the pile, you couldn't tell whether he was down or not from the sideline. Mm-hmm. We couldn't really tell. But on the uh, replay that was shown inside the Superdome, it was from the opposite end zone, mm-hmm. and from that. It seemed very clear that that his arm was down, and even yeah. the Saints fans, you could—they're like, ah, oh, you know, because <laughs> well, we they're like, one. yay, and we then, got oh, one. <laughs> and then, um, so yeah, that was very disappointing. But yeah. for all of those fans who think that Jason Garrett, and yes, sometimes he is robotic in his press conferences, but if you think he's some, you know, withering willow or something. Let me tell you, he can get spicy on the sideline. Uh, yeah. And I have never seen him as angry with an officiating crew as he was at the end of the first half. Oh. And I think it was so the so Zeke fumbles just with the what a minute and a half to play. The 
Saints take the ball. They march it down. They get to the one-yard line. There's four seconds left on the clock. Teddy Bridgewater throws an incomplete pass, which miraculously took only two seconds Mm -hmm. and allowed uh, Will Lutz, uh, the Saints kicker, time to come on and put the score to uh, 9-3 to at halftime and give the Saints a six-point lead. Um, Boy, I tell you, the Cowboys' sideline was irate about that. Mm How did that only take two seconds? Can, can you explain the rule in terms of a ball traveling yeah. out of bounds so, so uh, the, on a pass? The clock, the clock is going to run uh, from snap, uh, and the clock was running at the time, but until the ball not just crosses the out of bounds, but hits something out of bounds. So whether it's a sound guy with the big bowl or <laughs> it's the ground, is it has to hit something out of bounds for the clock to stop. And so it, it's funny to me because... I mean, when when a quarterback spikes the ball, sometimes they run two seconds off of yes. it. Yes, yes. When it, it should be like maybe one second. I right. mean, that, it's it's literally that's it's that's exactly time. right. Let alone take a snap, take a one step drop back, and then throw a back shoulder throw, and then it goes all the way out of bounds and it lands. 15 yards out yes. of bounds. It nearly hit the wall, and there's a lot of space in the That's Superdome right. behind the sidelines. So best I could see on TV was that the clock was stopped just shortly after it went out of bounds, before mm-hmm. it hit the ground. Now, would there have been a second left on the clock and enough time to get a snap? Maybe. But um, two seconds, but there's two no, seconds. no way. And that's, and that's why Coach Garrett, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm glad you said that about Coach Garrett because when people say, oh, he's robotic, he doesn't have any emotion. He's not. They don't know him. Complete opposite. Mm-hmm. He is very – he's very coordinated and he's very um, – He's very composed. And so for him, and, and people are always like, oh, well, he doesn't have any emotion. He doesn't care. No, he cares so much that he makes sure when he actually has, when he has the opportunity to speak to the press or the fans, he is very collected. He th- thinks his thoughts through, um, but by no means is he unemotional. Yeah. He cares about this team, this organization, this city more than anybody that I Absolutely. know. And so, you know, and I have a hard time and being on the outside now, I hear that a lot more and, and people are like, well, what was your thoughts of Coach Kerr? I was like, he cares more about those guys and those guys thriving, not just in football, but in life as much as anybody I've been around. So, I mean, I'm glad that it came out on the sideline because I'll, I'll say this, there are times that when I was playing, I wish I was like, you have every right just to lose your mind right now. Like, please just lose your mind. Well, that was about as the the uh, video that Caden just had up. You yeah. could see the one right before Joe Jason with the yeah. sunglasses, but you could see how he was beat red. Yeah. And uh, Jason, I guess it's okay to tell this. I uh. put it in my Dallas Morning News live chat today. But uh, Jason's nickname as a player, at least with the Cowboys, was Red Ball. Yeah. Uh, Babe Loffenberg yeah. uh, stuck him with that. Red it's Ball and then Big Red, they call him Big, Big Red. red and then yep. uh, it's because Troy Aikman was eight ball because he yeah. wore number eight and so babe had um mm-hmm. called troy dub troy eight ball so uh jason was red ball because of the red hair obviously but yes he was so mad <laughs> i mean literally beat red he was uh-huh. redder than his hair yep. and uh carl cheffers was the referee last night and oh man uh it they probably were on the field an extra minute and a half to two minutes mm-hmm. after the teams had cleared the players were already yeah. in the locker room so yeah. hey we're um we're well over halfway through our time and again if you'd like to call it's 888-855-2297 that we we have one Caden you said yes we have Joe okay Joe what's your question hey how you doing great um I, I have actually just 
couple of comments and a question. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the safety position, my concern is that the, the, the players that we have at the current safety position, uh, they either, they're not as quick or they, they, they may lack the size when it comes to playing that position as far as toughness and the speed to keep up with the, uh, the elite receivers around the league. Um, the second second question is our interior uh, defensive defensive line. Um, I don't I don't know if we have if we have the personnel to um, to keep up with the with the elite teams. Mm-hmm. Now, Joe, are are you uh, including Antoine Woods and Tyrone Crawford in this because they were both injured and missed their second consecutive games? So yes. Okay. And, so you're you're saying you're saying the, full full roster. Without injuries, you know, I'm, I'm playing full roster, and you know, mm-hmm. I'm, trust me, I, I believe blue and silver. I'm I'm here in the greater Houston area, and you know they hate Dallas. Hey, I'm from Galveston, man. So yeah, I okay. understand. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's you know, I just I don't know. I, looking at these these, these games that they, they they've gotten beaten in uh, when they when there's like low scoring and teams are able to run on the Cowboys, like Kamara last night, he had, he didn't have, I don't think he had 90 yards, but it was the yards that he had. They were like quality move the chain, move the chain yards. Mm -hmm. He he did convert some third downs, but he actually finished with uh, 69 yards on 17 carries. So 4.1 average, but yeah, Joe, thanks for calling. And so actually let's uh, talk about the safety position first, because I want to get back to an injury that we alluded to earlier. Mm -hmm. And that's Kayvon Frazier, who technically is backup uh, safety behind uh, Xavier Woods and Jeff Heath. But that pictorial, injury that he suffered. It was late in the first quarter. He did not return to game action, and he wasn't going to get a lot of snaps on defense. No. But he and C.J. Goodwin are our flyers, our gunners on punt coverage, and C.J. is fantastic. Yeah. Kayvon, two years ago, I would have argued should have been in the Pro Bowl. He and Chris Jones, they flipped the, as the punter. Yeah. And Kayvon flying down, they flipped the field in so many games. Mm-hmm. Kayvon struggled through some, you know, playing through some tweaks last year, you know, not as strong last year. But this is a real blow to um, special teams. Could you talk to yes. the importance of the, that? The impact of special teams is huge. And so, I mean, you even look at how much we value special teams that our starting safety is still the personal protector on punt. Oh, Jeff yeah. Heath, right? And he has not come off of that. Uh, it, it's a big deal. So if you've got a guy that can fill in adequately at safety and excel on special teams, go down, that's a huge hole because there aren't those bodies just out there everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a hard guy. You can't hard guy to find off the street because teams really do value that that specialist special teams player. And so Kayvon has been that guy for us for for 3 plus years now, right? Yeah, so he's in his into his fourth season. And so I mean, he's a guy that that we can count on to run down uh on punt as a gunner, uh make the tackle. He's a guy that runs down on kickoff. He's in on almost every single kickoff tackle Absolutely. that we have. Um, and then also is a is a corner and plays on punt return and, and is an is an effective hold up blocker on punt return because he's a stout guy he's he not is. one of he's these slide small. skinny no, ones he's, he's, he's he'd not. be more like strong safety up in the box than and, you know free safety playing and, back and, and Joe mentioned you know that our safeties are not 
that quick or they're not that big or hey, they're not Jeff that Heath physical. Is That's uh, and, and Joe, hey, I appreciate I appreciate your opinion. Um, it's it's hard to tell on TV, right? Because you're looking at these safeties next to you know Leighton Van Der Esch, who's all of six four. Right <laughs> or Byron Jones or and Byron, was right, like. and so you're looking at these guys, and so but they are not small guys. Like Jeff is is six one six two. That's a big safety. He's a big safety, and he's physical. I mean, Kayvon, same deal. Xavier Woods, very very physical. Those guys will come down and they'll hit you. They're not afraid of it. To play in Rod Marinelli's defense, you have to be that type of safety, yeah. and so. I agree to disagree. I mean, I'm just going to be politically correct. And, and Joe, I appreciate the opinion, but I would I would say that that's probably not the case. Now, um, from a coverage standpoint, are those some question marks? I think, yeah, we've still got to answer some of those. You know, Xavier Woods has shown that he can cover pretty well. Um, Jeff is just an all-around good safety, right? He can come down. He can fill the run. He can cover deep. He, you know, he covers deep third really well, and he covers ground as well as any safety in the league. Um, I think you'd like to see more picks. I think you'd like to see more turnovers and some takeaways. But we have a good safety core. Like we have a lot of guys that we can plug in. And if if Jeff goes down, needs a breather, Kayvon goes in. You don't you don't see us calling out Kayvon as a hole or a liability. Or Xavier goes down, another guy comes in. It's it's not when they're out. It's not like oh my gosh, we're yeah. exposed now. Right. Like back in the day, like if if Ed Reed goes down, you oh know when he's down. Yeah, right? that's a yeah big loss. Well, Darian Thompson, who stepped in and started mm-hmm. for Xavier Woods in Week Three against yeah. the Dolphins, graded out very well. Yeah. And again, that's like a luxury. It's like having Cam Fleming stepping in at left mm-hmm. tackle mm-hmm. or a guy like Christian Covington, who had been a starter for the Houston Texans, stepping in for Antoine Woods at defensive tackle. And we'll address defensive yeah. tackle in just yeah. a moment. But um, Darian Thompson did have to finish the game last night. Mm-hmm. So I invite Joe and everybody, all the other members of Cowboy Nation, uh, we'll have an update on Xavier Woods yeah. uh with, after Coach Garrett's press conference, but he he came out late in the fourth quarter and wasn't able to finish the game. Thompson went back in. We think he's going to be okay, but we'll know more um, going forward. But let's talk about defensive tackle because I know Joe's yeah. not the only one thinking. And here we are, like, bagging on a defense that yeah. didn't allow a touchdown, a touchdown and four field goals. Oh. But we understand. We feel the same yeah. frustration. So um, how did you assess the defensive line play yesterday? And again, they were without two starters with Woods and Crawford. Yeah, I I would have liked to have seen uh, a little bit more integrity in their rush lanes. Like Bridgewater had some time to slip out when he's not known as a running quarterback. And so he had he had the ability to move around and make some throws, some checkdowns that he probably shouldn't have. Uh, obviously, Robert Quinn, great, oh, great, oh, it's great to see him come off like that. Um, Demarcus, obviously, he's always he's always an issue, always applying pressure. But and Demarcus was playing on a gimpy ankle yeah. last night, yeah. and I mean, he really, really toughed it out. That's right. And, and but from the interior perspective, Tyrone Crawford being gone that hurts us, right? And that hurts from from a strength aspect where he can push the pocket and he's you know pulling in tackles and alleviating some some uh, of the uh, pressure for Demarcus and Robert Quinn, but then I mean having Antoine Woods out too that's more depth and if you watch our defense and you watch Coach Marinelli and what he does you see defense alignment rolling out. All the time, yeah. They're constantly because he wants those bodies to be fresh. Yeah, you, you see, Kerry uh, Hyder in there, you know, mm-hmm. rotating in and uh, give Malik Collins a blow, and then Malik can come back and make big plays like he did a couple plays ago there. And there's a good rush 
off the edge there, and uh, that was Robert Quinn, of course. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that yeah. dance just as much as the little <laughs> pony thing from the week before. That's right. But great pressure up the middle on for Hyder, yeah. who puts it into Jalen Smith there, and that boy was that the biggest brain dead play that by was, Teddy Bridgewater uh, in the history you just saw of Drew Brees' face on the TV but, copy, just like ugh. oh, the one thing you couldn't do, I know, I but know. A, a valiant effort by the. Um, Defense. We're hopeful yeah. that um, Antoine, don't know yet, but hopefully Tyrone Crawford and Antoine Woods may be able to work their way back in, at least in a limited uh, yeah. amount of uh, limited fashion in practice this week, we hope. Yeah. Because it's it's getting that we got another call here. So, Caden, help us out here. Hi, we got Ronnie on from New Jersey. Oh, all the way from New Jersey. Thanks, Ronnie. What's your question? How are you guys doing? Great. Um, my question is based more on the office, the office game plan. Mm-hmm. I mean, for what I saw last night, it seemed like we reverted back to what we were last year. Like we want to have a Jason Garrett more type of a offensive uh, game plan because there was like nine, ten men in the box, and I just saw that they kept on trying to run. Mm-hmm. I mean, I heard something like when Tyler was talking earlier. He said something about more like a. Uh, to a fault, Jason's a little bit stubborn. You could have 10 men, we're going to do what we're going to do, and we're going to run through that line. I mean, isn't that what Kellen Moore's more, what, what he's here for? Like, change it up a little bit? In, instead of Scott Linehan? <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Exactly. Okay, yeah. yeah, thanks, Ronnie. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And here's here's the thing. When I say Coach Garrett's stubborn, I think that it's more of a mentality that he's trying to instill in the team. And that, listen, we're going to be confident in who we are and what our strength is. We know that we're a strong run team. We're built that way. Our offensive line, that's what, how we built them, is so that we can be effective and we can control the entire game by being able to run the ball. So, with that being said, every time that a team puts eight people in the box, if you just don't run the ball, then you're not, you don't have that mentality like, this is who we are. This is our personality. Because you're not going to take away our strength just by putting bodies in the box. And so, you know, yes, there's there needs to be some creativity. There needs to be some adjustments. Because when they're putting that many people in the box, but there's different run schemes. There's different, you know, different types of plays. You can run out of different personnels. One thing that Kellen does a good job of is he runs a lot of the same plays out of different, very different yes. looks. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, yes, it may look like, yeah, we're running the ball, but there's a very different approach to this. And so when when they're putting that many people in the box, there's some things I think that, uh, you know, again, as a fan and totally a couch quarterback on this, there's some things that like I would have liked to have seen. Right. Like I would have liked to have seen a little bit more a little bit more on the screen side. I think that we could have taken advantage of that with Cam Jordan coming up the field so yeah. hard. I think and, we could and, have. And interior pass rush, That's too, right. like the last one we just saw. That's right. I mean, that was interior rush, and you never see that or rarely see it against That's Zach right. Martin and Travis Frederick. But, but the challenge is, too, is we're light on receivers. And and you don't think, okay, what do the receivers have to do with the run game? But they, are, they play a huge role in, one, pulling people out of the box because they respect the receivers mm-hmm. that you have out there. But then, two, also... So like blocking from the edge. And so I saw a lot of corners and a lot of safeties coming down and making tackles because our receivers were light on that aspect. So we're putting Jarwin in and we're putting Witt in, a lot of 12 personnel, where in the last couple of weeks we ran a lot more 11 personnel with 
three receivers, tight end, and a running back. Mm -hmm. And we just weren't as effective with that, I think, Mm -hmm. as we have been in the past. But I don't think the creativity went away. It just looked very different. (laughs) When your line's getting whipped on some of those plays. And and it wasn't every play, but... That's there was right. more up the middle yes. for Dak to contend with than That's there right. has been in That's the right. previous games. Yep. That is that fair? Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. Hey, before we go, let's uh, hit a couple more of the uh, questions mm-hmm. here. So uh, go ahead. Yeah, New York, Mike. Uh, so this is along the same same lines. But Wait. Says, so we've heard from New Jersey and New York today. Yeah. Okay. Good. Come on, guys. Love it. Uh, what did you guys think of Kellen Moore's play calling? Uh, didn't seem as creative as the first three games. Same point, right? Like it. You can't just like draw up plays and just run whatever you want against whatever whatever they show you, right? They when the defense shows you certain things and certain tendencies, you've got to be able to account for that. And although they, you know, we don't see you know the end arounds or the fly sweeps or um, you know these creative things that we expect of Kellen Moore because he's a Boise State guy, like that's that. The creativity comes from a lot of different aspects. Like, how are we moving guys? How are we showing if we've got man coverage or not? What do our what do our route progressions look? Who are we going to attack when we run the ball? What do our blocking schemes look like? How are we going to account for those guys? A lot of the things that we did early on in the game that were successful as we were moving the ball, unfortunately, we lost the ball. But just because it's not so clear as to these like wild like Sean McVay plays, right. um, doesn't mean that he wasn't being creative. And mm-hmm. so it's there's there's a it's lot execution. that goes in. exactly it's execution exactly. and it's, you can see the one there that the ball was just slightly behind Randall yeah. Cobb now Randall yeah. will be the first to say I need to catch that but yeah. there were just some passes that were off and that one wasn't necessarily so much and that a, a was, pass rush there, but it just a little right. off and then the one that you saw earlier where yeah. Amari Cooper one on one. Lattimore made a good play. You know, you got to win, but it goes back to is he totally healthy on that ankle? Let's do a couple more questions before we go. This is Josh from Tyler, Texas. What's it like on the ride home with the team after such a disappointing loss? (laughs) Well, the good news, Josh, is last night we were in the air for less than an hour because it was New Orleans. But uh, I guess we got home. We actually were a little early, got home about 1.50 in the morning or so, just before 2 a.m. But um, Tyler, you left too mm-hmm. soon because now we have these big American Airlines 777s. Oh, yeah, they're huge. And so, so I missed the star. You missed the and star. And I missed the good planes. Well, um, so, the, so the coaches and executives are up in first, first class. But yeah. there's these awesome, like, I don't the know, beds. it's like ultimate. Yeah, the ones that are the beds. So the way that they do it is the players with the most tenure. tenure. Yep. So it's like, well, LP Latisar, well, he has the second most tenure on, on the team behind uh, Jason Witten. Mm-hmm. So he's got one of the beds. Dak, Zeke, Travis Frederick, uh, guys like that. Yeah. And Jeff Heath, yep. uh, they get get the beds. And then you have the uh, media, some staffers, media uh, and then the rest of the team is in the back of the plane, what would be coach. Yeah. I know the coaches are in first class, but the players are in coach. Yeah. No, coach section. Uh, but they, they get uh, seats in between them. Mm-hmm. But it's still, I mean, there's not a lot of leg room for these big guys. But anyway, um, obviously it's it's pretty somber yeah. on a ride home. But it's not the party that it and I shouldn't say party because that has certain connotations. It's alive. It, no, it's after not a as win, alive. It's, yes. it's alive. That's yes. for sure. Yeah. Back in the, now, back in the old days from the '90s, I mean, there'd be card games going. Oh yeah. And I'm just talking about the media section. Yeah. No, uh, but you know, everything was not as sequestered, and it was just <laughs> no. out there and, yeah. and stuff like I'll, that. <laughs> I'll say this: there is a lot more film watching on the way home 
after a loss because <laughs> you're trying to prepare yourself for the next day's meeting. Yeah, when you come oh. in and when you're about to get ripped. Well, you know, and when you say that, it's it's the uh, they do the Microsoft Surface tablets. I can tell you that the coaches, as they're getting as they're leaving the locker room, go through the security, get on the bus. Robert Blackwell and his video crew are handing them the Surface tablets, and it's already got the plays yep. where they can just go through. Defensive coaches get the defensive plays, offensive, you know, and so on and so on, yep. special teams. And they have already gone through all the plays in the game probably a couple, you know, at least once before they even get on the plane. Yep. So it's a lot. Technology has changed they, things. They usually have watched the game two times through by the time they get off of the plane. Wow. Most of the time. I believe it. Yeah, most of the times. It. They'll do they'll do a lot of their grading and, and and all that before they even get off the plane, which it helps because they're back in the back in the facility first thing in the morning. So they may be able to see their family first thing in the morning. <laughs> I mean, after a late game and then they're they're in. But uh, yeah it is. It is the ride home is it's not fun. Um, especially if you're making that cross country flight, that's that's the oh, that's awful. Seattle's usually the oh, worst. That's about four oh. and a half hours, and invariably, yeah. it's a well, it's always a late game. It's at least a three twenty five yeah. because it's Pacific Coast, which yeah. would be one twenty five their time, or one one p.m. Pacific. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, yeah, when there's a Monday night game or a Sunday night game, uh, the team usually gets in. We get in about four four thirty in the morning yeah. Yeah. Uh, because it's whether it's from New York or Philly or yeah. L.A. or something like that. One more question that I want to um, fit in because I want to give a pat on the back, a pat on the back to a couple of radio crew members. This is Gary in Friendswood, Texas. Hey, Christy, another nice job by the radio crew, but where was Brad Sham? Will he, will he be back for the Packers game on Sunday? The answer is yes, Brad will be back. And uh, he was... Uh, observing uh, Rosh Hashanah. So again, Happy New Year to Brad. But uh, because the game was a Sunday night football game and after sundown, uh, Brad, uh, he stayed at home and he didn't uh, broadcast because uh, you're not supposed to work after sundown in his faith. And so he will be back for the Packer game. But I just want to give a shout out to Ted Emmerich, who filled in for Brad play by play and also Brandon, who was the spotter, uh, filling in for Sam and Jake. But Ted Emmerich is he does a lot of Westwood one. I'm, he does Olympics. I'm sure you've heard of college football, college basketball. But Teddy grew up in Dallas and he is the son of Roger Emmerich. So if you've been to a Cowboy game in the past several years, you've heard Roger's voice, booming voice as the PA announcer uh, for Dallas Cowboys games. And uh, Roger passed in the spring and he's a longtime sports voice in Dallas radio. And Teddy's the son. I've known him since he's like 10 years old and now he's Big time announcer. So thanks for stepping down and slumming with Cowboys Radio. But thank you, Teddy. You did a wonderful job. And same thing with you, Brandon. So uh, final thoughts heading mm -hmm. into a week where yeah. you, you got to observe the 24-hour rule, win or lose. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to decompress and you got to take a step back and, and you got to breathe. But then you've got to be very critical. Um, you have to, you ha as you should after a win as well. I think, you know, like Bill Belichick is, is notorious for – I really love wins um, and coaching hard on that, but losses, there's even more to learn, mm -hmm. right? And so there's a lot to learn. Um, you know, there's there's no excuse in this game because it's 100% performance based. How how well do you execute on Sundays? Because that's all that matters. You know, there's a lot of things that did not go our way in the game. 
Uh, but we have to own up to that and we have to correct those mistakes. There's a lot out there. Um, I would say this, though. I think if you're a fan and you're listening, if you're a fan of the Cowboys and you're listening to this right now, uh, don't be discouraged. Uh, this is a great team and can accomplish a lot of really, really good things. Um, there was a lot of things I liked about that team. The fight never quit. Never. And so, you know, that one is that alone. You should be proud of the guys because the character of this team is is the right is the right character that we want, right? And so, um, don't panic. Don't don't write off the season. We've got a back. We got back to back really tough games. I mean, Green Bay is a really good team. Um, they've always given us issues, um, and so we need to show up and we need to fix a lot of those mistakes. Hopefully, we can get healthier this week. And the ones that, the guys that uh, they got hurt in the game, they can they can bounce back and 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 be there ready to go. But. Um, it's it's going to be a long week. Uh, guys are going to take it serious, but don't panic. It's it's early. Sometimes a loss right now is is the best time to take a loss as opposed to later in the season. Sure. And so we can rebuild um, and uh, and, w- and we'll be fine. This is this is a good team. Like I said, very talented, and uh, we're going to do some good things. Yeah. Well, we thank everyone for their uh, questions via Twitter for yeah. calling in Ronnie and Joe from all over the country, and uh, we invite you to. Uh, Check in with DallasCowboys.com because, as you mentioned, with the injuries, we'll have updates on Tyron Smith and Xavier Woods and Kayvon Frazier uh, later this evening and as the week goes on. So for Tyler Klutz and for Brad Sham, who'll be back next week, and for our producer, Caden Gates, I am Christy Scales, and thank you so much for tuning in. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?